0: trying to get things together and things don't seem to be coming together. And Does that make my voice do strange things? We should maybe use that. That'd be kind of fun. <laughs> um, uh, uh, no, but thanks. Thank you. Appreciate that. Always thinking of me. Um, yeah, so what, this morning was one of those mornings. It must have been the 4th of July, right? Um, so happy 4th of July. I waited to today to say that to you because 4th of July was closer to this Sunday than it was last Sunday. So that's the only reason why I did that, if anyone cares, which you probably don't. Um, and I just want to say before I get started, um, I just want to give huge props, thanks to our church family. Um, so some of you guys know Jeff and Sherry Doherty, They were here uh, last Sunday when we had communion, and we had to help him up um, to have to take communion. Um, he's riddled with cancer, and um, probably won't make it this week, um, and so we're through the week. And so Sherry had accepted Christ back on the 19th of May, and so I was over at their house on Tuesday, and I was just like, "Hey, you know," because Jeff at that point was sitting up, and we were talking, and. Um, and so I said, "What would be kind of a cool thing for Jeff to celebrate you having, you know, taking baptism and being baptized. So they're all for it. Let's do that. So I got on texting. You know, we don't call anymore. So texting and made sure everything was happening. Pat was here. He made sure the baptistry was full and had the heater on and everything was ready to roll. And uh, they're like, I got a call later on in the week and uh, went over there on Friday. And they're like, so at what point should we, can we cancel the, uh, the baptism? And I said, well, really, up until the time for the baptism, which is at 10.30, (laughs) because it's just a tub of water. I mean, it's not like we're preparing anything. Um, So I got a text this morning from Sherry saying that she's going to not be baptized at this point because Jeff has just really um, gotten a lot worse. And so just be praying for them. I know some of you know them, some of you don't. Uh, Bill and Tara Doherty, it's Bill's brother, and they've been attending for the last several months. Uh, The cool thing is is, um, I had the opportunity to to sit with Jeff and just confirm, um, just confirm where he was with the Lord and get that all figured out. And, and then for Sherry to come to church and start reading the Bible for the first time in her life and then accept Christ on the 19th this past May was uh, just really, really cool. Um, so yeah, just, just awesome and just really appreciate our church family. This morning I was trying to get the last things together for my message and um, Justin was going to cover... Uh, the men's Bible study this morning, and I got a text from him at 7.02, men's Bible study started at 7.30, he's like, hey, I'm sick, can't make it, and so I'm like, okay, so I walk out, walk into the room, Jeff, Kyle, sitting in there, hey, Jeff, come out here, hey, you mind leading men's Bible study? And, and what we're doing men's Bible study is a little bit different, so if fortunately it's easier, um, we're just kind of, at this point, we're just kind of going through saying, okay, what are you? what's God been teaching you during your personal time with the Lord uh, what's an area where you're kind of struggling and need some prayer? And who we've been talking to about the Lord? And so um, it makes it a little bit easier. I don't know who's ever leading. Just ask those questions, more of a discussion thing. So we're starting a, a really a mini-series, if you want to call it, this week and next. We're looking at restoring relationships. We're going to be in Philemon uh, next week. This week, um, we won't be going there, but next week we'll be spending some time working through Philemon but we're looking at this idea of restoring relationship and really the idea of forgiveness and the importance of forgiveness. Uh, one of the reasons why we're doing this is that uh, the Tiffin campus that we're launching um, is being put off a couple of weeks because of permit issues. You know, i you doing construction, um, you gotta deal with permits. And so things are being put off for a couple of weeks. So we wanna start our new series until we can get things rolling down in Tiffin. So we're doing a real quick series this morning Uh, called Restoring Relationships, looking at Philemon. Um, But I kind of want to bring it here and maybe give you guys some uh, sense, because I know you guys don't have any issues with people, um, that you guys don't on a regular basis have to forgive others. um, But in my life, uh, that's not been the case. And for those who have been attending for the last couple years, um, I, I talk a lot about Kim and how wonderful Kim is. And most people believe that Kim is perfect because of the stories I tell. Uh, and I have to admit she's 99% perfect. But there's 1% where she's not. And so I got permission to tell you the story this morning. So back in the, the mid 90s, uh, I took a position as a, a program director at a Christian camp, a year round Christian camp out in Nebraska, of all places said I'd never live in Nebraska. I um, also said I'd never live in Ohio. I also said I'd never live on the East Coast, and so far I've done all of those. I, I also told the Lord I'd never live in Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> so he knows our hearts, right? <laughs> so, uh, I actually applied one time to a church in Hawaii, and they never even got back to me. It was kind of like, okay, the Lord's just going, you liar. <laughs> Anyways, um, so we're at this camp— uh, Three weeks after Sarah's born, our oldest, we move out to nebraska uh, they They put us in a um, a mobile home trailer that was built like in the early sixties, so it had a two by two walls rather than a two by six walls and we were loving it. We were just thinking, you know here are a young couple newly married, we got our first child, we got our first place you know it 's ours, and they had a food shower for us, and so our cupboards were just chock full of canned goods, and uh, which I'm not sure why a food shower, they call it a food pounding, have you heard that before? Food pounding, and they pounded us with canned foods. And uh, so that was September, January, actually Martin Luther King's birthday, January I think it was 17th, um, 3.30, 3 o'clock in the morning, Kim gets up to, to nurse Sarah And comes back to bed and she goes, hey, just want to let you know there's no water in the... I don't know if you guys know about Nebraska in the wintertime, but it gets pretty cold. And it was five below zero. I'd never lived in a mobile home trailer before and didn't realize that you have to leave the water running so your pipes don't freeze. No one told me about that. They They also didn't tell me that I needed to get insurance for the stuff that's in my house or my trailer. We didn't do that either. And so, seven o'clock in the morning, I get up. I call Bruce, um, who's our maintenance guy, and I'm like, "Hey, just want to let you know we have no water in the trailer. Can you guys do something about that?" He goes, "I'll send Bubba over," and uh, everybody has a Bubba. So Bubba came over, and he there's an exterior uh, access panel to the to the water, and he took a blowtorch and started working the pipe. Anybody see a problem with this? A blowtorch on a trailer from the early 60s with two-by-two walls and a lot of spider webs. And next thing you know it, Kim is screaming, fire! She's in the back of the trailer. Runs out to me. I'm in the living room. I was laying on the couch waiting for Bruce or for Bubba to show up. I didn't know he had already started the thawing process. Um, So then I look down the hall and it's just black smoke. So I tell Kim, go get Sarah, who's at the back of the trailer. She goes in there, Sarah's in the crib. The fire is over her crib. So Kim gets in there, pulls Sarah out, runs back to me. We, she's, in a, you know, she's in a robe. I had her close, put clothes on because I was up. And, I'm a good husband, I was letting her sleep. <laughs> and, um, so she puts uh, some shoes on and I send her over to the director's house. And I'm making phone calls, Bruce, you know, hey, we've got a fire, you know, blah, 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 blah. I step out of the trailer, realize my guns are in there. <laughs> no, I didn't care about anything else. I grabbed my hunting boots, my winter coat, ran outside, realized my guns are in there, and so I turned around to go back in. Well, Bubba, by this time, comes around wondering if it was all the fuss, and uh, sees the fire. That place was uh, engulfed in five minutes and on top of itself in 20. It went that fast. Uh, by the time the fire department got there, um, which they came from a fairly good distance, they, had, they were taking care of other buildings that had gotten um, heat-related burns. Okay? So I tell the story um, for this. We didn't have insurance on anything, but I was an NRA member at the time, and uh, so they sent me a few dollars for my, my guns. So we put that in the savings. Later on that summer, We finally were able to find a a trailer that worked for us, and between my parents, Kim's parents, our savings account, and the church's um, little insurance that they had under building, we were able to buy this trailer. They pulled it into close to the spot where we had our original trailer, and I was all excited because then I would have the summertime and then the fall, and I would have that money to go buy my gun so I could go back out hunting. And so then the time came, and I'm like, so I'm going to go get that, you know, that rifle. Kim's like, well, we don't have any money. Well, we didn't have any money. We had a thousand dollars, something like that, and from this insurance, we had the money. No, I used what was in savings to paint the trailer and wallpaper and stuff like that. And I don't know. So so far, none of the ladies were going. Oh, but I saw some of you guys going. This. So the ladies are like, well, yeah. The guys are getting it, right? What in the world? What, what do you mean you used the money for my guns on the trailer? It's a trailer. I was hot. I was, I was ticked. Um, there's only been a few times where Kim and I have really gotten nose to nose. And um, wow, I was mad. And I had a decision—a decision to make. I could forgive her, or I could not forgive her. I could continue on being ticked off with my wife, and really, there's nothing she could do about it. Now you can't take paint off the wall and go return it, right? Can't take wallpaper off. There's nothing she could do. Um, So we had a decision to make. And again, I know you guys don't have any of those kind of stories. But if you can, just maybe for a second, try to put yourself in my shoes and try to understand what it might mean that somebody has sinned against you, has done something to you, that you have a choice on whether you're going to forgive that person or not. Whether you're going to allow that relationship to be restored or not. And that's what the series is going to be about Um, the next couple weeks. This week, what I wanted to do is do more of a topical look at this issue of um, unforgiveness, forgiveness and unforgiveness, and really, what does unforgiveness do to us? And then next week, we're going to look at Philemon. It's uh, The Apostle Paul wrote a letter to a guy named Philemon, and Philemon was one of the leaders in the churches of Colossae, so he wrote two letters to Colossae, the the church there, the book of Colossians and then Philemon. And the letter he wrote to Philemon was actually supposed to be read to the church. So there's some interesting dynamics there. Uh, When Paul writes to Philemon, he's going to ask him to forgive somebody for doing him wrong. And um, so we'll look at next week, what are some things that we can do to help us, um, some characteristics, or maybe some um, ways of looking at the situation in order for us to be more willing to forgive. What I want to do today, though, as I said, is I want to talk about what does unforgiveness look like? What, what happens to us if we choose to not forgive somebody else? Um, so, first of all, we need to understand what forgiveness is. We talked about this uh, in a previous series that we, taught, that we went through, but I thought it would be good to kind of go back. Because a lot of people would say, well, you need to forgive, and people would say, well, I can't forgive because I can't forget. You know, forgive and forget. Well, God forgives, but he honestly, he can't forget. He's God. He knows all things. He remembers everything. Okay, so this idea of forgiveness is something. It's not forgiving and forgetting. And, and it's, forgiveness is only one part of the process of restor, uh, restoring a relationship. And so what is it? First of all, it's choosing to not use another's sin against them. So Kim sinned against me, as it were. Uh, didn't check with me first. Went and spent that money. And again, you guys know the stories. I've really not always been the best you know, husband in the world, and I've had to ask her for forgiveness. Uh, she's had to, fortunately, forgive me. But um, forgiving somebody is choosing to not use what they've done to you against them, to not sit there and harbor it and hold on to it. And every time they do something, you bring it up and every time they try to talk to you, you bring that up in either in your heart, in your mind, or verbally to them. Secondly, it's not con- condoning what the other person has done. So by us forgiving somebody, we're not saying we agree with what you did, that what you did was okay. You're not condoning it. Thirdly, it's not trusting the other person. I think this is, this is huge. When we forgive somebody, when we choose to not use what they've done to us against them, hold on to it, we're not saying I automatically trust you. So, for instance, if, if someone borrows money, again, I watch Judge Judy all the time. This happens more than you know. If somebody borrows money from me, and they said I'll pay you back, and they don't pay me back, and maybe they come to me again, and they say, hey, listen, I know I said I was going to pay you back. Just add this to my IOU. I need some more money. And I give them some more money, but they don't pay me back. I need to forgive them, but I don't need to give them any more money. You following me? We don't automatically trust somebody. We have to use some of our own smarts here. I forgive. I'm not going to use it against you, but I'm also not going to trust and so forgiveness doesn't mean trusting. And fourthly, it's choosing to leave a path open for restoration. What forgiving, when we choose to forgive somebody, because we can't demand that they ask for forgiveness, but what we're doing is, I'm going to, in my heart and my mind, with God's help, of course, I'm going to leave a pathway open for them to come to me and seek to restore that relationship, to repent of that issue. Then there's the actual repenting, right, of turning and doing opposite, and then there's that restoration which involves trust. But the first step is us forgiving them, opening up a way for them to be able to come to us and not putting something, a barrier in their way for that point in which they, when they want to come to us, that we're not going to hold that against them, we're going to open up the way and and be able to maybe restore that relationship. Okay, we're going to talk more about that next week. Um, But if you're a Christian here this morning, this is exactly what we need to be doing in our lives. This is exactly what we've experienced. We've sinned against God, and He's forgiven us, He's made a way for us, and not only made the way, but is the way, you know, through Jesus. God the Son dying on the cross for us, and He asks us, to respond in the same way to people. But again, next week we'll talk more about that. So what I want to do today is I kind of want to go the negative with it. Um, and I want to talk about what does it look like to harbor unforgiveness? What's it do to us? Now, there's, there's a bunch of things I could have had a list. Okay, we're only going to look at three things this morning. All right? Um, so first of all, the personal impact... Number one is, we're choosing to live in dis- disobedience. If someone has sinned against me, and I'm going to hold it against them, I am making a choice to disobey God. And he gives us some verses that tell us that. So we have in Ephesians 4, Paul talks about this. He says, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other. That's a command from God through Paul, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Maybe one of the things it would be helpful for us to do this week as we look forward to next week and talk more about what it means to actually forgive, it might be worth our while to sit down and thinking from when we were a child to however old we are now and begin writing down the times that we have sinned. And just get that list going. You may want to put multiple columns on a piece of paper so you don't run out of paper, okay? Think about all the times that God, through Christ, has forgiven you for the sins that you've committed against Him, against others. Because that's going to give us perspective on when somebody wrongs us and on what kind of forgiveness we're willing to to show. Because we're supposed to forgive, and if we choose not to forgive, it's open disobedience to God. Another verse comes out of Colossians. so, So this is the home church, home city of Philemon. And Paul says, So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, Put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as what? As the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Again, that perspective, we talked about it last week, right? Perspective is everything. And if we truly understand what what God has forgiven us of, then it should become much easier for us to forgive others who have sinned against us. And then last is this. Matthew 6, Jesus is talking. He says, Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. So, Jesus is just assuming, by the way, that since we've been forgiven, we're going to forgive. For if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then the Father will not forgive your transgressions. Now, He's not talking about salvation here, forgiveness for salvation, because this is a prayer that we have to our Father. So we're already saved, we're already in relationship to God, we're already a child of His. But if, if we fail to forgive somebody else, then we're choosing to disobey God, and now there's a fellowship issue between us and God. Again, just like for you guys who've had kids. Your kid sins against you. you don't, they don't lose their position in the family. But there's an issue that needs to be dealt with. right? I'm not happy with my child if he's not going to obey me, if she's not going to obey me, until they make that right with me. I leave it open, but it has to be dealt with. And so when we put ourselves, when we choose to not for, to, to forgive, when there's unforgiveness in our hearts, we put ourselves in a position where we're choosing to disobey God. And in that choice, we're losing our fellowship with God. We're losing an intimacy with God. And if I could just throw this out, and again, next week, I would encourage you to be reading through Philemon. It's just 25 verses. Okay, So numerous times during the week, be reading through it. I'm going to step one back further, real quick. I just read this morning a survey of Protestant church-going people and how often they read Scripture. And it says that about 30 to 35% of those who attend church three or four times a month read Scripture daily. Now, I don't know how many people we have out here right now, but... So get this. It's, it's, it's those who attend church three or four times a month. Now, how many people do that anymore? A regular attender really is considered today, a regular attender is considered one or two times a month. So 50% of the time. So this is people who are going three to four times, only 30-some percent read the Bible on a regular basis, like a daily situation. Now, we've talked about that a lot. all right. So I'm not going to be just over the head on that one. But point is, read Philemon. Um, I lost my other point. It's probably good because I was going to probably step on my, my own toes from for next week, but um, yeah, so we're choosing to live in disobedience. Secondly, we're choosing to give Satan influence in our lives. So we've already put ourselves in a position where we're disobeying God and willingly doing it. And so when we do that, it's just natural that we're going to be opening ourselves up then to more Of Satan's influence in our lives. And really, we've talked about this. We struggle in and of ourselves enough. We don't need the other influences that are going to try to draw us away from God any more than we already have within ourselves. So it's a dangerous position to put ourselves in. Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians. He says, "...but one whom you forgive anything, I forgive also. For indeed, what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, I did it for your sakes in the presence of Christ." And, and that's just kind of some deal, stuff he was dealing with there in Corinth. But this is the point. So that no advantage would be taken of us by Satan, for we are not ir- uh, ignorant of his schemes. It's so important for us in and in our, within our relationships to make sure that we have a heart of forgiveness, a willingness, a willingness to have that path open for people to come and have the relationship with, restored. Because Satan wants to take that and he wants to not only destroy our relationships with others, but our relationship with each other as Christians, Jesus says our unity is what shows others that he came from God. And so if he can disrupt, especially Christians, and if he can cause Christians to to not forgive others, it ends up causing people who are not Christians to go, see, those Christians, that's nothing. Just Jesus is nothing. But if we're willing to forgive somebody who's done something against us, those who are not Christians look at it and go, "Wow, well, then that's something. Because if I, was, if I was in their shoes, I couldn't do that. And then they say, well, how, do you do, how can you forgive them for doing that to you? And then what do we say? Well, because I'm so awesome. Because that's just how cool I am. No we, no, we can only do it because of what Jesus has done for us. What Jesus has done in us. The rest of you guys are going, looking at me, and I'm getting an amen. There you go. Uh, let me th- okay, let me throw out this other point I was going to make. <clears throat> We're going to talk more about this next week. But we don't understand as American Christians the importance that God places on the church family. We think, well, I've put my faith in Christ, become a child of God, and and that, that should be pretty good i go to church once in a while. I might read my Bible once in a while. I might even show up to a Bible study from time to time. And we think it's something that we do. It's, it's, some, it's a place that we go. It's something we add on into our busy schedules. But when you read Scripture, when you read the Bible, all of this is intertwined because the church is the body of Christ. The, the church is a, a unit. The church is to be uh, to know each other intimately. To understand where each other is coming from. To know what's going on in their lives and, and how can we best help you. And our church, by the way, does that great. You guys are awesome that way. When we went on vacation, I told Jeff and Sherry, I said, Hey, listen, you know, we're going to go on vacation. And so um, we've got everything set up so that Jeff, you know, if the Lord decides to take Jeff while I'm gone, I make one phone call, everything's in place, including the memorial service. In fact, I didn't even need to be here to make that happen because we have our campus in Fremont and those guys were going to jump in and take care of the memorial service. I'm thanking the Lord that in one sense that it didn't happen because now I get to be a part of it, which I would like to be a part of it. My point is the church, the church is more than just something that we go to. The church is our family. The church is united through the, the power of the Holy Spirit. And when, there is, when Christians are unwilling to forgive, especially within the church, if we have people in our church family who have been upset and they're unwilling to forgive, it's like me walking around with a stubbed toe or, or a, a bad hip or um, you know whatever. I'm not as effective. I'm already hard enough to be effective as it is. But you add all that kind of stuff to me, I'm not as effective. If a church is that way, they're not effective because God looks at the church as his people. Jesus looks at the church as his body. Now I'm talking to the choir here in a sense because you guys are all here on Sunday morning. But the importance of the church together, and if Satan can get into that and disrupt that, and I've been a part of churches where Satan has gotten in and he's disrupted. And he's caused issues. Unforgiveness is a huge thing in a person's life and the life of the church. And the last one is, we're choosing bitterness. Um, go ahead and go to the next. So Hebrews 12.15 says, See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it many be defiled. When we choose to not, when we choose to not forgive, we're putting ourselves in a path for bitterness. Because what happens is, when we don't uh, keep the pathway open. Every time that person comes to our mind, we think about what happened. And we think about what it was or is that we would like to say to that person that if I get a chance, I'm going to tell them this, that, and the other thing. Well, if they come to me, I'm going to give them a hard time. I'm not even going to talk. And, and we just go over and over and over in our mind. It's like picking a scab. It's, it's like, you know, when you're a kid, you used to rub your skin. You know, you, you no one ever did it to me, but we did it to other kids. You know, you <laughs> rubbed, rubbed your skin, right? And it just, we're, just, we're chafing against that. And it, pretty soon, as that anger continues, and as it just festers inside of us, we become bitter. And we put ourselves in a position of being bitter. So we, by not forgiving, we disobey God directly. We give Satan influence, and we become bitter people. And again, like I said, I'm sure there's other things we could have talked about this morning, but I know me, I could have gone a couple hours maybe working through this. But let me just give you a couple takeaways as we close this morning. Number one, as I said before, read Philemon and read it through several times. It's just 25 verses, one of the shorter books, one of the shorter letters that Paul has written. Read through it. And as you're reading through it, kind of get an idea of what is it that Paul is saying to Philemon, and what is it about Philemon that Paul seems to be confident that he's going to forgive Onesimus, the individual who has hurt him. But spend time reading. Spend time letting God teach you um, and give you understanding of what that means, what that looks like. Because again... um, what we do as Christians in our personal lives impacts the church family, and especially, like I said, if there's conflict within a church, and and I'm, I'm thanking the Lord all the time for our church that we seem to be a church that's unified. It seems to be a church that's, if there was is anything, people are working through it, you know, and it's just it's just awesome to see. Secondly, here's an easy one: imitate God. Imitate God. Ephesians 5, one of my favorite passages. Um, I use this because later on in Ephesians 5, he talks about marriage. And so in my marriage counseling, we talk about this. So here's, um, here's God telling Paul to write this down so that we can know this. So God's saying this is possible. Therefore, be imitators of me, of God, as beloved children and walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. We imitate God best when we demonstrate to others the love he's demonstrated to us. And and forgiveness is one of the key ones of those. He says in Romans, it says but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we are yet sinners Christ died for us much more than having now been justified that word means to be right anybody remember declared not guilty justified is a great word you got to not right not guilty God says you are not guilty if you place your faith in Christ having now been justified by his blood we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him for While we were enemies, a person who sins against you, right? It comes pretty close to being an enemy. While we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Again, we imitate God best when we demonstrate the love for others that he had for us. And one of the greatest ways He's demonstrated His love for us is by dying on the cross and forgiving us of our sins. And so as we think about unforgiveness in our lives, if we're dealing with somebody right now who's sinned against us, we've got to have a conversation with God about, okay, Lord, I need your help. I'm not saying this is easy. It it took a while for me to work through that with Kim and, and to finally realize, you know, I've got to let this one go. And it was interesting because as soon as I was able to do that, the Lord just kind of allowed some things to happen and I was able to get that rifle, which was kind of a cool little thing how the Lord worked that. But we have a great opportunity to demonstrate to others the same kind of love that God has demonstrated to us. And if we're not willing to do that, that says something about our understanding of our relationship with Christ. Philemon is going to be challenged by Paul to respond to Onesimus out of his love for God. And it's only our love for God, our relationship with Christ, that gives us the perspective and the power necessary in order to give forgiveness to those in our lives. So this relationship with God is primary, but it impacts our relationship with others and demonstrates that relationship with God. Let's go ahead and stand. and close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning and for each one that's here. We thank you for um, uh, your love for us. Uh, It's an incredible concept that we could imitate you. But we we can do that when we demonstrate a sacrificial heart, a a willingness to not stand our ground and to to, uh, demand our rights. But when we willingly open up a way for those who have hurt us to come to us and restore the relationship. You've demonstrated how that should be done when we were your enemies. And I just pray for anyone here, Lord, that's going through that and dealing with unforgiveness. I pray that they would truly understand what Your Word has to say about that. And Again, it's not condoning what people are doing. It's not trusting them. But it's just providing the opportunity in their heart and their mind for when a person is ready to repent, that they have an open door for that. So Lord, help us, help us to... Um, desire more than anything to represent you well, trust you, have faith in you, as Philemon will learn next week, Philemon has in you that you're going to make it work out right. And in doing so, Lord, that we would see people restore relationships and in other cases to draw them in for salvation. Our praise in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for being here this morning. Have a great day, great rest of the week.